1: Welcome to another episode of Breaking Down the Doors. I guess this is the breaking news Editions of Breaking Down the Doors. Joe Rexo, Adam Sparks. Recently, we were in attendance at a press conference introducing Jerry Stackhouse as the new Vanderbilt men's basketball coach. After that, you and Jerry Stackhouse spent some time, a little one-on-one interview. So let's just, we have tons to get to on that front. This is all Stackhouse all the time, but your
2: initial impressions of
1: this hire and of Jerry Stackhouse.
2: Well, I almost tweeted this after the presser, but I thought I'd just let it digest for a little bit. I, I always I take a pride in that I'm never impressed by press conferences. I push back on that. I've always, always have. Oh, it's great sound bites and all these things. We know half of these guys are going to be losing coaches, right? But boy, I really felt that way today. I mean, honestly, that he. It wasn't that Jerry Stackhouse had great quotes for us or he said things that fans would want to hear. It really does seem like he has a vision. He knows what he's doing. Um, he has some thoughts about what he wants to do. It doesn't seem like he's going in wide eyed at all. I didn't see any wide eyed uh, approach for, from him at all. I do think also the dynamic between him and Malcolm Turner, the AD, I thought was really good. You know, it seemed like Malcolm Turner targeted him early on he said he did they always say that but uh, i believe it uh, he seems to fit all the criteria that malcolm turner wanted i don't buy that uh you know a lot of times these coaching searches it's you know they, they say this is the guy that i wanted it's really the sixth yeah guy. it's like plan
1: yeah. d right
2: I, I, f- I fully believe that this was the guy that he wanted and, and i've heard people even back earlier in the process that told me did he mention Jerry Stackhouse to you? Yeah, yeah, he did. He mentioned Jerry Stackhouse to me also, and that's before a lot of the coaching search went on. So there, there, was a lot of admiration of Jerry Stackhouse's coaching ability that goes way back when, and Stackhouse mentioned it today. At least he, he claims that at least two NBA teams had interviews set up with, for him for head coaching positions, and that's not just him. That's been reported elsewhere that he would be a candidate for some jobs. And instead, he comes to Vanderbilt. So in that perspective, it's a pretty good get for Vandy.
1: Yeah, I almost got the sense listening to Malcolm uh, Turner talk about this that the rest of the search was like double checking to make sure his instinct on Stackhouse was right. Yep. He didn't say that in some something, but it felt like that. Sort of like, and of course, you're you're doing your due diligence. And you're looking at these other people. You're you're exploring it, but it's almost like everything was compared against Stackhouse. And better than Stackhouse? Nah. Better than Stackhouse? Nah. I think I think Stackhouse. I don't know if it's as extensive as gets the job. Doesn't like what he sees and says, Jerry Stackhouse is my coach next year. And then he fires Bryce Drew and goes through the process. But I think uh, certainly Stackhouse made a strong impression on him, of course. For people who don't know, yes, they're both North Carolina guys. But much more importantly is the G League situation. Um, Malcolm Turner got a very good feel for what Jerry Stackhouse was as a coach in the G League. And that's a a thing that some people are going to look at and say, eh. It's the G League. Who cares? It's a minor league, you know, minor league baseball. You won or you lost. Who cares? You are there to get players ready for the big club. You're not there to win or lose. My argument is if you do get in a league that's all about the individual, is about developing individuals, if you get a group of individuals and get them to play collectively, play defense move the ball, play the right way, so to speak, and win, win a championship. I think that says something about you as a coach. Well,
2: it's, the G League is like minor league baseball, right? Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm here to move up to the next level. I'm really not here to win or lose a game. Uh, and so there there is some merit to that. You know, I, I thought there was, uh, you know, the, first off, r- right off the bat, there's going to be some jobs for, for Stackhouse. And I talked to him, you mentioned in the one-on-one, I talked to him about specific players and how he's going to approach that sort of thing. He's going to try to get Yanni Wetzel to come back, or at least look into the possibility. Try to get maybe Matt Ryan to come back. I, I tend to think this is just my take. I think Matt Ryan is most likely gone. I think Yanni Wetzel has a better chance of staying. And uh, that would
1: be, uh, to me, much bigger for them to keep Wetzel.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, and Simi Chateau, we'll see. Here, here's my take on Simi Chateau. So He's looking into the draft. He can still come back. Mock drafts have him outside of the two rounds, which is the only two rounds in the draft, so have him undraftable, but would land in the G League and we would get a chance. If there are two guys, an AD and a college coach on earth, that would have a better perspective on what the G League is like, what the NBA draft is like, what it's like to be a talented College player that maybe would do even better to come back for a second year. It seems like the two guys sitting at the table today would be the best as far as an AD and coach would be. That's the G League president, who's seen a thousand of G League type guys, draft guys, guys that were not quite good enough to go in those two rounds but were in the G League. Uh, That's a coach that's coached in the G League, coached in the NBA. Stackhouse came back for a sophomore year at North Carolina, was already a phenomenal player, came back, was number three pick in the draft. And it just got a guy that knows the difference between a developed player and an undeveloped player. And if those two guys can't get through to Simi Chateau about the possible benefits of coming back, I I don't think anybody's going to.
1: And we don't know the desire level. Sure. But – I agree. I agree absolutely with with that. I mean, it's it's a very. They, I mean, they have unique perspectives in their particular jobs. You mentioned the press conference not being impressed. I'm the same way as you. I've I've been to a million of these. It feels like, and I can't remember many where the the prevailing sentiment wasn't coach won the press conference. Right. I mean, you, they're designed to be one. They're fixed. You know, it's like hmm. it's like tic tac toe being a tie. I mean, it ha, you know it has to be a tie. No one should ever win tic tac toe. Everyone should always win the press conference. But I was impressed with his answers, and I think I mean he didn't you know he didn't come off like he was overly trying to be funny or anything. I, th- I thought the f- comment about NBA hazing was kind of funny. You hmm. know, the the freshman getting the donuts for the veterans, stuff like that. But I think he probably said a lot of things, Vanderbilt fans want to hear you know intensity work ethic you know gritty defense you're going to play tough man-to-man defense these are things that were said about him as a coach of the g league these are some things that to me of course were lacking under bryce drew the the intensity the you know just the, the ringing everything out of a player i mean that's if there's a failing that you can point to that's it to me for bryce drew and personality is part of that and Stackhouse strikes me as a guy who is you know going to go ahead and get after guys if need be.
2: Well, and and I asked him about that in the in the one on one. You know, you always have the the coach that's fired gets compared to the new coach, and you always try to go the opposite. Um,
1: right. Everybody wants the
2: opposite of the yeah the last guy. And the I, I asked with that in mind, uh, I asked that to Jerry Stackhouse in our one on one, and I said, "What do you like on the sidelines?" Because Brass threw a criticism of him. When they were losing, is that it was overly positive? He was still clapping and hey, good job anyway. We lost another game, but keep trying, kind of thing. And I asked Jerry Stackhouse about, as he refers, another refers to the, the Stackhouse scowl, and I asked him what his sideline demeanor is, and that's what he had, what he uh, had to say.
0: Well, I think um, I'll probably be described as demanding, uh, and I've uh, and I critique in game. You know, obviously, I think that part of being a good coach is being able to see all 10 players and what's going on. I think, and you don't really, you don't have that right away. I've gotten, you get better at that. I mean, even though good players, um, Jason Kidd, he probably, you know, while he was on the court, you know, he had probably a division of. Probably eight guys, you know, and that—that's what made him so good. Is, is his vision, and then coaches are the same way, you know. No, they're not. They're not really focusing on what's happening on the ball, but focusing on the on the big picture. And um, over time, you know, my, in my eye, in in that development, because I know what happened. You know, a lot of people, you know, I like to say first fires are, are what causes a lot of breakdowns on on defense, uh, and that's maybe. You know, everybody say the ball the guy got to the basket he he beat him the guy didn't come over and help but it was probably something that happened earlier than that that that, that caused all of that so those are the things that I try to point out and and I'm and and, I'm, and I, I' do it with a little bit of uh you know I wouldn't say uh, intimidation or anything like that but you know that's what we need to do to get done you need to do your job you know we, we, we all have responsibilities and um, and we need everyone to do their job. But at the same time, when you do it right, I'm just as emphatic and just as excited that you did it right and you understand what, what we're doing as I am when I'm, I look, got, my, got my, my scowl for you not doing it the right way. So I mean, you're, you're going to see that. You, I mean, you might hear a colorful word or two, but at the same time, you know, it's all about us. Getting on the same page, doing our job, and, and knowing that that's the only way we're going to have results and we're going to have success is by doing our job time and time again. I, I say it all the time. There's only two ways to do things: it's the right way, and again.
2: So obviously different, of demanding was his comment there. Right? I bet you fans would like, like if they could sign up for him
1: never clapping. You know, <laughs> like just don't ever clap, please. Do anything but clap on the sideline.
2: You know, he. Uh, you mentioned before uh, one of the better quotes, the uh, NBA hazing. The best quote, I think, of the day that Stackhouse gave actually was in the one-on-one with me later. I asked him about expectations, and he said, if I lost 20 straight games, I'd jump off the top of Memorial Gym. <laughs> 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 Which is a great line, right? That's a good quote. Yeah. So, uh, But yeah, w- while we're on the topic of comparing uh, old coach to new coach, uh, the coaching staff under Bryce, fairly or not, you know, when you're losing games, we just we you got to find anything. What's going wrong? Something led to this, and one of the things with the coaching staff, and we talked about that before, whether or not it was the coaching staff's fault, it's got to be some of their fault. I don't know about what the percentage is, but the 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 coaching staff that Bryce had were all similar guys with similar experience and all similar demeanors. Pretty positive, like Bryce was. There wasn't a bad cop among the good cops. We've talked about that before. Well, I asked Stackhouse about how he's going to build his staff, and his quote was, there's going to be somebody from the professional side, NBA. There's going to be somebody from the college side. There's going to be somebody from his, what he called the grassroots side, which is more turned to recruiting. And, In other words, you know, AAU for people yeah. who know grassroots basketball, you know, youth basketball. Yeah. And so he, he wants an eclectic mix there, which is probably smart. He made the comment, uh, and I know before he we went on this podcast, I, I read it off to you, you had a chuckle over it, is that uh, I, I, don't, I don't need anybody to help me with X's and O's. Like, I can, I can coach. I understand basketball. He made that point, but then he also followed that up with, but it would help to have maybe a senior member of my staff to oversee a lot of things, be a little bit of an assistance in game, and a guy who has been through college programs before to have an oversight of a lot of things. So he does understand the value of having an additional experienced guy.
1: Yeah, because honestly, like, I mean, look, some of the most experienced, successful coaches out there. They're still out there stealing plays from other people every year. Sure. I mean, they've got – I've I've covered a program where they have just a catalog of plays, and a lot of them are named like North Carolina because they stole it from North Carolina, or Marquette because they stole it from Marquette, or whatever. I mean, I don't think – I mean, X's and O's are always happening, evolving. So, to me, if you're him, you should not just assume you know everything. I mean, of course he knows a lot of basketball, and he knows – you know. a ton of basketball, but I think a veteran X and O person would be good. One thing I liked that he said also was talk, talking about what is your offense, you know, or, and he was like, well, I, you know, really don't – it's like it's going to be based on personnel. Like you said, you got a great post player? Well, we're going to design some stuff to go inside out and, you, and exploit that. You know, if you got speed at guard, whatever. I mean, that's, that's a good answer. I like that. I also – thought his answer on recruiting and talking about Dean Smith at the press conference was some pretty interesting stuff.
0: Uh, like I said, uh, from, you know, still to Coach Smith, I still, he's I always referenced to him because I know that he's always, you know, did it, did it the right way. He didn't have to, you know, try to sell me. He sold me on the program, sold me on the fact that I was going, he didn't promise me anything. He didn't promise me that I was going to come in and play uh, 30 minutes a game, which I didn't. But you know, he uh, he promised me that he was, you know, that he would be a foolish coach if he didn't play his best players, and I and I took that challenge. I was getting promises from everybody else. You're gonna come in. You're gonna play 40 minutes a night. You're gonna do this and you're gonna do that. And I took the challenge of going to a place to where things weren't promised to me that I had to work for, and um, and that's that's what we're gonna gonna be here. You know, we're not gonna try to you know try to fool anybody.
1: So, uh, you know, for those who don't know, you know, Dean Smith, legendary coach, coach him at North Carolina. Uh, I don't think we'll see four corners Hmm. much with Vanderbilt. Of course, that was the, you know, especially utilizing the non-shot clock era at North Carolina. But, I mean, I think that's a, you know, Dean Smith is the ultimate. No individuals ever above the team. Um, No one's getting promised anything. Earn everything you get. You know, of course, Michael Jordan famously you know, people are like, "Well, who who did the best job of limiting Michael Jordan in college?" Dean Smith, you right? Know, like Seventeen points a game in his best year as a junior before he left for the NBA. But, so, but that sort of mindset—I mean, if you can get your players to buy into that, I think it's beneficial.
2: Well, and on the rec- the uh, recruiting side of that, the 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 comment there—no are no promises uh, made. I-, I think there's. There's a possible uh, there's a question here. I think again under Bryce Drew and Jerry Stackhouse, it's the same question, but it's from two different angles. Bryce Drew, I think, met some issues with Chateau, especially of he had I think it was in October, November, so whenever practice started, and I remember uh, Bryce having the comment, uh, "I've never coached a five star, so I don't know how to." He was being honest, but. I think by the end of it, you saw a guy in Simi Chateau that I won't say promises made, but I don't think he was kind of his feet were held to the fire that much. And, uh, you know, as Bryce said, he had never coached a five-star before. They're different than getting a three or a low four or that kind with or can be at least. Yeah, can be. Not all of them. More
1: more five-stars are going to have – people hanging around them in their ear telling them dumb stuff because right. there are people who just latch themselves to five stars. Now, not every five-star has that,
2: but but more of them do. But Bryce Drew has recruited a lot of players but no five-stars. Jerry Stackhouse has never recruited a player, but he is saying, as he did right there, I'm not going to make any promises. So can he stick with that? Will that work? Um, there's some reasonable questions in that. You can, you can have a hard line, but you can have too hard of a line. Um, so recruiting will be interesting with him. The, the, the thing is, I don't think we're going to have a good feel on him recruiting for, I don't know, nine months? It could be a year because, I mean, what is he going to do in this class? The The late signing period opens in mid-April, closes in mid-May. You, I mean, maybe you get a grad transfer. It's not like there's a lot of really, really good players available that would academically be eligible at Vanderbilt. You're not going to go get a bunch of junior college players. So we're not going to find out how good of a recruiter he is in this class no, at
1: all. No, I, I mean, this is all about 2020 this summer.
2: Yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, when I, I asked Stackhouse about, you know, you're inheriting a team that's lost 20 games. The expectations are going to be really low in this first season, and that's when I saw him bristle a, l- a little bit. Um, he didn't. He didn't like that type of talk. But we'll see when he gets to the season how that goes because he is he is inheriting a team that is not built to win as it is now and I don't know if he has time to put enough pieces together there to get them really competitive. Uh, he's got to figure out point guard for one, but there's some other questions there. But uh, it's it's hard to find a whole lot of critiques out of the press conference because it seems like uh, it seems like he he knows what he wants to do. It seems like he has a vision. And one thing that I came away with is I'm convinced he wanted this job and this type of job. I thought there was a reasonable question in there of, well, this guy's supposed to be an NBA head coach, so how long is he going to be here? Now, by the way, if he comes here for three years, wins a bunch, and then goes to be the the, the coach of the Bulls or something, that's fine. But I, I was really convinced today that he really likes the challenge and, and what's ahead at Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, I, I was –
1: I I bought that too. I it's you know we'll see as you go through the job. I mean that's and the thing is, as a lot of NBA coaches or a lot of coaches who have done both will tell you, well, in college you never are not thinking about recruiting. You're always thinking about recruiting, or you have an alumni function. You always have something. The NBA, you got your season and it's a heck of a grind, and you go away for the summer. And man, some that recharging of batteries in the summer, in the NBA lot of coaches really like that when they compare it to this oh my gosh i can't not be at peach jam this weekend you know <laughs> in the in the summer for college so you know it's still you got when you live it then you know we'll see some people still prefer the college game and college coaching and uh, i do think that it you know like you said if if he has an opportunity or if he has an opportunity you know he's gonna go back to be north carolina's head coach well then that right. means good things for vanderbilt right so um, if he if he doesn't have those opportunities, it probably means he isn't doing as well here as hoped.
2: Yeah the uh, the off season will be different for from for uh, for him. Uh, I was I was thinking about that earlier today when he was kind of running through what he had done on the trip out here. He got done coaching the Grizzlies game the other night. I think they were in Dallas. Flew back here, and his whole idea was he was going to play a lot of golf between getting to Nashville and and the press conference. Well, it rained all weekend, so he was actually at Top Golf. Have you been to Top Golf? No, but I am familiar. I have. I have. And I I can't believe I didn't see anywhere on Twitter there's a six six dude that looks a lot like yeah, Jerry, Jerry Stackhouse. Is that Top Golf? Is that Top Golf. But I never saw one but he was at Top Golf the other night. And then uh he ate uh we had a little short conversation about barbecue because he grew up in North Carolina. That's mustard base, more barbecue. I love
1: the North Carolina barbecue. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah.
2: And then at least it's 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 barbecue. Texas is that's not barbecue. That's brisket. That's another podcast. Uh, <laughs> but then he's been in Memphis, and so he's got more of of that type. Mm-hmm. And now he's in Nashville, which is usually more Memphis, but sometimes a cross between the two. We were talking a little bit about that, but then he said I had barbecue for breakfast, which is really weird. And then I had nice. su- and then I had sushi for lunch. That's an odd. on <laughs> So, so his first twenty four hours was barbecue for breakfast, sushi for lunch, and top golf. There, <laughs> that's. What was the plan for dinner? I know, right? I don't know. I don't what, know. How do you top barbecue,
1: sushi? Like, what do you do for dinner then? Yeah, I don't think
2: you want to put anything on top of that. Three either. steaks. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but but we'll see. It'll be an interesting off season for him. He gets an A plus for the press conference, but they all do but he really does yeah i mean they most
1: of them at least at least yeah high marks but no i was i i I was impressed so uh, now the real work begins and we will be back at some point in the future maybe the next time we might be talking some baseball huh that or basketball coaching staff or both there's basketball staff yeah there's there's always football too i don't know we'll let you know but thanks for listening to this episode special episode of breaking down the doors